The grandson said, Granddaddy, what are you doing? And the grandfather said, Son, these sand dollars are a living organism. If I don't throw them out to sea, they'll die in the hot sun. They've been washed ashore by the tide. The grandson said, But Granddaddy, there are thousands of them. What possible difference can it make? And then the grandfather reached down, picked up another one, and threw it out to sea and said to this one, It makes all the difference in the world. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and in this show, we hear a classic message from Zig Ziggler, an analogy he didn't write, but he shared in such a tangible, profound way. Uh, It's been used prolifically as a story of using either a sand dollar or a starfish. As you'll hear in this one, Zig uses a sand dollar. And it's a message that balances or redeems what seems like futility with salvation. You may know, know the story well, but uh, again, Zig delivers it in an amazing fashion. But from the message, I posted this question on Facebook. I said, for those who truly view their work as their mission, who specifically are you devoted to saving? Who are you devoted to saving and serving and how? And I'll disclose right up front, I received less than half the number of responses I'm used to getting. And why? Well, I can't say for sure, and Tom and I talked about it on the show. The inclination is that not a lot of people know specifically who that person is, what that avatar of person that they are serving in their business is. Well, there were great replies and Tom and I talked through a lot of them, though we also had some in-depth discussion on the topics of serving in your work, purpose in your work, and finding true fulfillment in your vocation. I think you'll get a lot out of this show. To kick us off, I have this story real short from Zig. It's less than a minute. I'll cue it up right after I share some valuable resources with you. Okay, here I give you a brief story from Zig Ziglar that sets the stage for my talk with Tom Ziglar. Love the story of the grandfather walking the beach with his grandson. Never step or two, the grandfather reached down and pick up a sand dollar and throw it out to sea. He'd take a couple of more steps, pick up another one and throw it out and another. And finally, the grandson said, Granddaddy, what are you doing? And the grandfather said, son, these sand dollars are a living organism. If I don't throw them out to sea, they'll die in the hot sun. They've been washed ashore by the tide. The grandson said, but granddaddy, there are thousands of them. What possible difference can it make? And then the grandfather reached down, picked up another one and threw it out to sea and said to this one, it makes all the difference in the world. All right, Tom. Well, this question, uh, you know what? Let's just be candid here. I was just talking with you before the show, and I posted the question after, after the message from your dad, uh, asking people, for those who truly view their work as their mission, who specifically are you devoted to saving and how? And, and you know what? Let's, let's first just, just make a quick comment on that. I mean, if your work provides for your family, that is a great mission. Um, however, in this, I was actually, you know, a guy I use a lot as an example is our buddy, Dave Munson of Saddleback Leather. Uh, he's got a company. He loves design. He likes adventure. He likes those things. They're fun. They jazz and they inspire him and he enjoys making bags. Now, does he think his bags are his mission that they're saving the planet? No, not necessarily. It's a cool business. He makes a lot of money and uh, employs people, yada, yada. What his heart really is him and, and his wife 
is uh, going over to Africa and they support a significant amount of people. So in one way, he would say his work supports his mission. Okay, but there are then people who work like you, Tom Ziegler, in a business where you're, you're, you're directly on what your you know, mission is. It's part of your work there. So I was kind of speaking to that just to give it a press, a preface. And then within that to say, you know, who, who do you feel like you're saving, serving and how does that make sense? It makes sense to me. All right. That, that was my preface. And so I, I gave, I was the first one I've been doing this somewhat on Facebook when I asked the question saying, Hey, I'll dive in and, and volunteer first. And I talked about that. I have always gravitated towards people's health and wellness. And why is that? Cause you can say, gosh, if somebody's fit trim and can, you know, leap tall mountains in a single bound, and yet they're not, you know, they don't know Jesus Christ. Well, God, what good is that? So, you know, what good is saying that we can debate it all we want to bottom line for better or worse. That's where I'm drawn to. When I see somebody and I see their calling and I see their, their passions and their desires to serve, and yet they have compromised themselves physically. And I know that that compromises everything else, man, that, that burdens me or, or, you know, I could say it's my passion, but it really just kind of burdens me, grieves me. And I want to address that. So that's the direction I was going. So Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot with that same question. Cause there you are at Ziegler. You're dealing with people, all walks of life, all different, uh, so many different issues that they're dealing with that you can help address. But I'm wondering, and I don't know this. I've been your friend for a long time. What's, what's the thing that you see where people are, let's use that word compromised, or they're not uh, at their full capability in a specific area that just seems to be the one that gnaws at your heart the most? Well, I'll, I'll tell you uh, a thing that really bothers me is there's almost a guilt complex that somebody who's not working for a nonprofit or not working in the ministry or not you know, in what I call the life coaching category where they feel guilty for having uh, a normal business that they own or a normal mm. career or a normal job somewhere like they're not doing their part. And what I like to do is, is have them change their mindset to say, wait a second, you've got a unique set of gifts and talents, you know, skills and experience. And what if your passion could align with exactly what you're already doing? Mm -hmm. And I'll just give two examples. Uh, one of them was a gentleman. He was a, a, a high-level executive for a huge company. And he said, Tom, I'm, I, I, you know, I've had a good career. I like it here, but it's, I think I need to leave. I think I'm doing the wrong thing. And I said, well, what's your passion? What is it that you want to do? What do you feel called to do? He says, I want to mentor young leaders. And so I looked at him and I said, well, tell me about your company. And I knew a little bit. He said, oh, you know, we've been around 400 plus years and I have a lot of credibility and I'm an executive leader. I go, does your company, I know it's big, don't you? Do you guys ever uh, develop young leaders? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, if you develop some young leaders in your company and you increase the retention rate and the productivity of those young leaders, would the company like that? And he kind of got this grin and he said, well, yeah, they would. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you're perfectly positioned to do what you're called to do, what you want to do, what you're gifted to do, but you just haven't told the powers that be your plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
a life, you know, a 20 plus year executive leader who has credibility, who wants to raise up the next generation of leaders like himself, what, what reasonably intelligent organization wouldn't give that a listen to? Yeah. Right. And yeah. I've heard your dad say this, uh, Dan Miller on his show, he, you know, somebody will call in and they'll say, yeah, I'm sick of my job. I'm the CEO. And, you know, I started it cause I'm a sales and marketing guy and I love growing the company. And over the last five years, all I'm doing is operations and putting out fires. I'm going to have to turn in my resignation. <laughs> your dad just asked a simple question. Well, if all you did was the sales and marketing and the growth of the company, um, would, would you love it? And they're like, yeah, I'd love that. Okay. Well, if you resign from the position, is the board going to be upset? Or are they going to be left with a challenge? I mean, do you have a good relationship? Oh yeah. They're going to be, they're going to be left with a terrible challenge. Well, and I remember, you know, 48 days, I remember this conversation on the podcast, like it was yesterday. And he, he said, well, what if you just wrote out your job description and you went back to your, 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 your board and said, look, I can't spend 80 hours a week mm -hmm. with my life involved in things that I can't, that I don't, that I'm not good at, but here's what I can do. I can give you 40 hours a week in this area. That's my greatest strength. And, you know, the compensation we can talk about, but if you're okay with it, Let's do that. Otherwise I have to resign. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great perspective. <laughs> right. And of course I think the guy calls back later and says, they look, they're so relieved I'm staying and I get to do what I love. And so it's a mindset shift a yeah. lot of times where people feel like they're trapped in their position and it's not really helping people. So the other example that I give in this is working with a guy named um, Josh Burroughs. Josh was we did legacy coaching with him and, uh, you know, young entrepreneur owns his own business. They do HVAC, uh, heating air mm -hmm. and, uh, they're outside of, uh, just South of Tulsa, um, broken bow or broken arrow. I can't remember any, anyway, it's in, uh, he said, Tom, I'm thinking about buying, uh, a plumbing company, like bringing a, a guy who's got a plumbing license and start offering plumbing as well. And he had a bunch of business reasons why it made sense. And I said, well, do you like plumbing? He said, no, I don't. <laughs> and I said, well, do you like HVAC? You know what he said, Kevin? He said, no, I don't. Oh, wow. Okay. I said, well, what do you like? And he said, what I love is helping people achieve their dreams. And I'm good at business systems. So what I do is create a system that allows people to be successful and then work with them to help them achieve their dreams. Boy, what an awesome perspective yeah. on the business that we have and the career that we're in. What if we can just use it as the vehicle to accomplish our bigger, better goals? So my personal mission at Ziegler, what I love to do is to create the environment that allows you to become the person God created you to become. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of as simple as that. And so what does that mean? What is it that, that, you know, at Ziegler, we say we're in the transportation business. We help you get from where you are to where you want to go. And so what we're really good at at Ziegler is helping you identify 
where you are and get clarity on where you want to go and then putting the plan in between, you know, any, any dream or any goal or anything that you want to accomplish, it really just takes three things. You know, the, the, it takes, uh, it, it takes mindset, it takes strategy and it takes action. Mindset is the habit of right thinking. Uh, strategy is the habit of right planning and action is the habit of right implementing. Hmm. And so that's what we're good at at Ziegler is we get people's thinking, right? We help them put together a plan to get there and then we hold them accountable to take action. And so that's why, you know, my biggest frustration is usually people are positions far better than they think they are, but it's their mindset that paralyzes the strategy and the action. Yes. Yeah. You know, you remind me of our buddy, Larry North, uh, who lives in your neck of the woods and has a bunch of fitness centers and is a big name in the health and fitness arena. I mean, that guy we had a great interview, great feedback. Matter of fact, we had somebody say it's one of the top five Ziggler podcasts they've ever heard. And they sent that to Larry. Um, and he though is using his platform. He's, you know, I think it's, it's kind of a fruition that's come in recent years using his platform of influence to serve people at a deep level. And, you know, he realized it's health clubs, you know, people are trying to gain weight and, or lose weight, gain muscle and, and whatnot. And the, the power that he has there to use his influence to serve people at all levels. Uh, yeah. Very similar to, to yours. You know what Larry does and that's a great episode is he takes the minefield of health mm. and he just makes it really simple and that's kind of what we do at Ziegler they they take the minefield of passion and purpose and living out my potential which is just you can get input from a million places but it's actually pretty simple if you know the principles and the and the things that you've got to do really well yeah yeah. And by the way, I just looked it up. Larry's show, folks, that's 583 is the show with Larry North, the main show. And then 585, we went over his habits. Um, well, hey, that's a, a great preface. I'm going to go through, let's go through a couple of the submissions here uh, with people. I, again, asking that question, where do they feel, how do they feel like they're serving folks and, and who? David Simmons, he says, I have a calling to serve eighth to 10th graders, to encourage them to begin designing their life dreams. And we begin building their future career aspirations around that vision, uh, self-image setting a goal, setting an achievement, uh, and instruction on how to build and maintain good, healthy relationships. I've been preparing for this since November, 2013, and I am ready. How great is that? Who, who wants that guy teaching their eighth or 10th grader, as opposed to somebody else who thinks I just got a job teaching kids. I'll raise my hand. I've got kids in that age range. I mean, that is, that's powerful, David. Um, not much more influence than a teacher at that age. Well, let me tell you something about David. Uh, he just retired from Walmart. Ah, and it, uh, pretty high up the food chain there. Great career. And what he's going to do is he's going to work with those eighth to 10th graders on future career aspirations. And he's approaching from the aspect of, wait a second, there's a million careers. It's why you do it and how you do it that matters. Mm -hmm. uh, so much of society and kind of the media is, oh, man, you got to go to college. You got to get this degree and da, 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 da. And all your value comes out of that. And you 
you leave that situation with, um, you know, a hundred thousand in debt and still don't know what you want to do. Right. Right. And so what he wants to do is to mentor these young people with, wait a second, let's, let's, let's use goals to identify what we want to do. And then let's pick the best path. Let's use education as a, as a leverage, right. As mm-hmm. a, as a rocket fuel, uh, but to go get an education for the education's sake and not have a plan afterwards, I mean, that's, that's expensive. And that's where a lot of people li- live in, you know, disillusionment. So mm-hmm. he's really combining the best of two worlds, a great education and a real plan to go use it. And that is, uh, it's incredible. Cause we all know that we're at a, feels like at some point we're going to get to a breaking point. Every kid wants to go to college and be a knowledge worker, or, you know, uh, a white collar worker at some, at some level. And we have more and more of them with nowhere to go, no specialization. And of course, on the other side, the blue collar arena, which is getting more and more high tech, they don't have people there. And we're starting to see the revenue shift to where you can make more being a, a car mechanic in a lot of senses and sitting in a fancy desk job somewhere in a high rise. So yeah, really awesome. I didn't know you knew David. So that's, that's yeah. helpful. Yeah, he's one of our certified trainers, and excellent. You know, it's it's no. Uh, uh, I think he came through 2013 our ZLC. But the the thing is, is there's no coincidence that he's connected those two things together yeah. because w- really the challenge is it's how you view yourself and what you do. You know, and, and Kevin, you sent me that little uh, little Facebook or not a Facebook, but a little poster. You texted it to me about the growth minded or fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Growth minded or fixed minded. Yeah. From Carol Dweck. Yeah. Yeah. What a great concept. And and I'll just mention something else. And this is a little off track for all of our listeners, but I think you'll like this. So another one of our ZL Sears, uh, John Rouse, um, he's got an insurance agency and I do legacy coaching with him. And we did this little, uh, exercise and, I want everybody to listen to it and, you know, if you're driving your car or speeding down the road on your bike, uh, come back to this later. But I asked him a really simple question. I said, okay. I said, John, I want you to think about mind share. Okay. And I want you to think about past, present, and future. So let's just assume that there's 24 hours in a day. That's a pretty good assumption. Pretty good. <laughs> and let's just give credit. You know, let's just make the math easy. Okay, John, you're asleep for eight hours and you're awake for 16. Of your waking time, what percentage of your mind share is uh, past? I'm thinking about the past. Yeah. What percent of your mind share is thinking about the present? You know, getting really involved in that. And what percentage of your mind share is thinking about the future? Mm-hmm. And boy, he got real excited. And, he's, and, and I've asked a number of people this now, and it, and it ranges, you know, some are saying 20% past, 40% present, 40% future. Some are saying like 70% present and 10% past and, you know, 20% future. It's different for everybody. So you guys listening, what do you do? What percentage of your life is thinking in the past? What percentage in your life is thinking right now here today and what percentage is thinking in the future? Hmm. So you got that? Got it. Now comes the big one. Let's just say that you said 20% of your time, mind share is thinking of the past. 
What, okay, so 20%. What percentage of that 20% is positive and what percentage of that 20% is negative? Mm -hmm. Here's what we mean. When you think of your past, do you think of, well, that mistake prevents me from doing this and, you know, you know, that never works out. I mean, that's a deep wound. That's going to keep me, you know, I, that triggers this. Or how much of it is positive? How much of the things that happen in your past are positive uh, that you think about? Wow, you know, boy, I didn't like that, but did it, that set me up for this. Right. I wouldn't have met so-and-so if that hadn't happened. That was a good thing. So here's the thing. If we have a growth mindset, then you've got to look at your past. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive others. You've got to look at all that as a learning opportunity and then make this decision in your mind. My past has perfectly positioned me for the future I want to create. And that opens up growth. It doesn't put a limit on it. Well, everybody I've talked to so far admits that part of their past thinking is negative. Sure. When they think of their... So what if we could change, let's just say that 10% of your thought life is in the past. So you're awake 16 hours a day. So 1.6 hours of your thought life is in the past. And 50% of that is negative. That's like 45 minutes a day yeah. of negative past thinking. What if we could flip that to positive? And then we do the same thing for the present. How much of it's negative, how much it's positive. And then we do the same thing for the future. When I think of the future, do I think of if that happens, all these good things are going to follow? Or do I think of, uh-oh, <laughs> my world is about to unravel. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I'm coming clean. That's my challenge. Yeah. Right? The yeah. unravel thing. And so that's where you have to learn a Ziegler technique, which is it's positive to identify a problem. It's negative to dwell on it. And so my frustration is people's mindset about they're limited because their career is keeping them from doing what they really feel called to do. When we could be like my executive friend who loves mentoring young leaders and he's surrounded by opportunity all around him, but he thinks the box keeps him from doing that. Hmm. It's what your dad did with that caller. Hey, wait a second. Yeah. Your perfect job's right in front of you. And I bet the board would be relieved that you decided to keep that rather than leave the whole thing. He was right. And I think that's what happens to most of us. It's uh, we're, it's so hard to see the forest for the trees with ourselves. I mean, I, you, you know that, Tom. I mean, we've got people that we can coach and consult and give all this uh, seemingly great wisdom to, uh, factually good wisdom to, and yet we have the hardest time seeing ourselves, which is why even the best coaches and influencers and leaders and consultants need to have those types of people in their lives as well to help us see what we just can't see on our own. And that's what you guys do at Ziegler so well in the coaching. Well, yeah, the real interesting, of course, I, I'll, I'll quick divulge, uh, there on what you said. I don't spend enough time in the present. I'm way too future focused and I have to strap myself in and make myself deal with, uh, the present. That's a continual effort for me. Yeah. And that technique that I just shared is what I do to bring myself to the present. Yeah. Uh, I identify the future problem if this isn't fixed, this is what could happen. And then I outline the action steps that I'm going to take. And then I move that to the present. Hmm. 
that's how you do, that's how you create the future in the present and thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show well okay um work for all we could we could stop right there but we'll go ahead we'll, we'll read we'll read a few more here john hayes he says a big part of my mission is to teach people the principles of franchising so they can use franchising as a stepping stone to financial independence and satisfaction uh, i do this from palm beach atlantic university a christ first institute i'm blessed to be the tightest chair for franchise leadership well, I got to tell you, I'm a fan of franchising. I just spoke with uh, Dina Dwyer Owen. She's one of the handful of people we've had two interviews with on the Ziegler show. She's, uh, of course, part of the Dwyer group and they have, I think, 12 different franchise brands. And just here in America, well, globally, they have over 3000 franchise locations and they have obviously done great. They do about a billion dollars in revenue every year. But when it talks about franchising, I always think of, um, Oh my goodness. I just went blank. What's, what's the franchise, uh, uh the E-Myth, Michael Gerber, right. Michael Gerber, cut my teeth on him a long time ago. That influenced me to such a degree because the point was not to go buy a franchise necessarily, or to start a veritable franchise of multiple locations of a business, but it was to run your business like a franchise, much like what you and Howard Partridge do in teaching business, get people to run a business that doesn't own them. They own it. And it supports their lifestyle and runs consistently and turnkey. And I love that. And I took that into my life to a great degree and continue to. It's always a, a growing process there. But love the aspect of franchising. I think that's a great, well, what he says, it's a stepping stone to financial independence and satisfaction, which is why I am a fan of self-employment. Not that self-employment is the holy grail and you get some prize for being self-employment, but by far and large, it is where I see the most financial independence and satisfaction. And so he's talking about that in regards to franchising, man, that's a great, uh, and he's doing it. He's, he's involved in doing it and knows that that is his, well, he said the word mission, which is, uh, what Zig used it in the story that he, that he told us as well here, uh, a mission. And I know you guys, I mean, Ziggler is a mission led business always has been. Yep. I know John, uh, pretty well and great guy, but here's another part of his mission. Kevin is, you know, let's just, I don't know how many franchise opportunities there are. There's probably a thousand that you can go and pick from. Yeah. John's expertise is helping an individual who likes the franchise idea, mm -hmm. you know, buying a business system. And then he takes a profile on you and then matches that with franchises that would be a good fit. There are franchises that are indoor and outdoor. There are franchises that are people center or technical center. There are franchises that have little upfront investment or, you know, a big upfront investment. So to say that franchising doesn't fit for you is probably the wrong question. The right question is, Hey, what is the perfect business mm -hmm. based on your own goals and objectives? And are there franchises that could make that real easy for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so that's what he does. So he, he does, you know, and he's worked in franchise companies, consulted to them. And now he's teaching, uh, you know, people in, in the educational system about franchising. So 
amazing. Which is a great call out. I mean, I learned that from my dad, Dan Miller, you know, people say, Hey, what's the best business to get into? And he'd say, well, I don't know. Who are you? We got to know that first. (laughs) Same thing with franchise. And I think it was his story about a guy that he knew, uh, who had, had a lot of money, had a lot of wherewithal, got a subway franchise, which is not the easiest one to do, but he thought, Hey man, those things are killer. Make a lot of money. They're, they're, they're growing like crazy. And he lost his shirt in the thing because it's because of that. He had no association with it at all. He was an introvert, wasn't real hip with being in front of people all day. And obviously the idea is that it's running over here and you're not involved, but as an owner, especially at the beginning, you're still involved. And he had such a disconnect from that type of a business that didn't work, which my dad knows. Well, he was, uh, had a successful business. He should have franchised in the automotive industry when I was a kid. And he, uh, got a hot idea from a, a buddy who was selling a health club and he bought a health club that he had no interest in whatsoever, no experience in, no history in, no nothing, lost his shirt. Did it have to do with the business or with his, you know, his, his joint, his interest in the business? Absolutely. His interest. So that's a great commentary yeah, on franchises or any business. Well, great, John. Hey, these people are posting on my page. You know, all my friends, apparently. Uh, all right. How about this guy, Nate Wilson? He says, uh, his focus is drug addicts, people with PTSD, people overcoming trauma. And I want to accomplish helping them by educating them on how fitness, nutrition, and following your passion is the best therapy available. Man, I, I align with that statement a lot, but that's man, that's specific. That's a specific as far as who, and specific as far as how. And I got to say, we got a good number of comments where people were a little vague. And 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 that's what I was going to say at the beginning of the show. Um, next to the, the, the majority of the questions that we post on a weekly basis here on Facebook for these shows, this one didn't even get half as many as most of them. And I sometimes I'll say, ah, I worded the, I worded the question wrong on this one. I don't know that I did. My concern or my pondering is if by far and large, we as a culture uh, don't often know specifically what is it that we want to help people with? How do we want to help people? We may even know in a vague way, but we're not super specific in knowing how do we, what really what really nags at our heart? What really burdens us? Or what is a great passion for serving somebody specifically? Uh, And I'll ask you that, Tom. I mean, you're involved with more people than I am in the business realm. Is that, am am I correct possibly? Am I pondering here that it's just not the most common knowledge in our culture? I think so. And I, and I think, uh, a lot of people kind of enter into their job, their career, what they're going to do with an urgent short-term need, man, I got to pay the bills. Yeah. Right. And you get into something and you, you know, you usually gravitate to more of your strengths and what you're good at. And before you know it, uh, you're in something and you've got a little track record. You got some credibility. You're doing a good job but it wasn't intentional. It wasn't by, by planning. And then you might find out that you really like it, but you wonder in the back of your mind, well, should I have done that other thing? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing that drives me nuts. Um, And this is a quote that Howard Partridge has that I love. He says, your business, this is for a business owner, or you could, you could say it for a career, your career, your business or your career exists for one reason and one reason only, 
as a vehicle to help you achieve your life goals. And so a lot of times people uh, will get into the middle of life and go, wait a second, I don't have life goals. And so they go and set their life goals. What is, what is your, you know, what are the things you want to accomplish? And then they backtrack and say, wait a second, is my career, my business, what I'm doing, is that helping me get closer to my life goals or not? And we, we think, and I believe that almost any career, almost any business can be a vehicle to help you get to your life goal. There are some times where it doesn't work that way. Um, You know, especially if, if your life goal is one lifestyle and your business requires another, Um, you know, that's one of the kind of an unwrong crit or what I would call a wrong criticism of what people will say about franchising. Oh, you're just buying a job. Yeah. You know, because, hey, you buy that franchise, you pay all that money and then you work 80 hours a week in it. And you're making the same amount of money as if you just went and worked for somebody else doing the same thing. Yeah. That's why it's important to have the life goal first, because it'll keep you from making it'll it'll help you make the right decision. Because if you make the right decision, uh, then no matter what you do, it's taking you to the place you want to end up. Yeah. Absolutely. And I gotta, I gotta say with your, while you were talking there, I love as my kids, as I have older kids, uh, but even with my younger ones, the ability to steer them towards what they want. The world's their oyster, you know, they're, they're in school. They're going to go into something. Why not? Why wouldn't they go after something that they have joy in that, that fits their skills, abilities, and passions? Why not? Uh, head right there right now in everything that they're doing. And it's been great to see the fruition. And Tom, I know you know what that feels like as you've seen uh, Alexandra come into the Ziegler fold doing things that she enjoys and is flourishing in. And I'm sure it's similar to my kids in her head. She really didn't know anything different than the idea of going after what she was uh, bent for, as the scripture says. Right. And dad always taught this. He said, you don't have to like everything you do. And that boy talk about a real disconnect in our culture where the popular culture says, oh, you should like it. You should like everything about what you do. Well, I'll just take sales, for example. The sales process has different components in it. You know, it's got it's got prospecting. It's got introductory call. It's got educating the client. It's got. Uh, understanding their needs. It's, it's, you know, all these different things. And there's very few sales professionals that I know who love prospecting and cold calling just as much as they like closing the deal. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, some things are just more fun when you give yourself permission to love what you love and then do what you need to do because you have to, Don't feel guilty if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. Just get as good as you can at it and do it the way that needs to be done until you have the uh, bandwidth and flexibility to get help in those areas that you're not good in. Dad did not necessarily like working out, but he loved the benefits that came with it. Yes. (laughs) And so he was always benefit focused when he would do things is my effort in this worth does the benefit justify the effort yes and health it does and that's sales yeah it does too 
yeah. shows up in the bank. Yes, it does. Aren't I glad for that? <laughs> That's uh, I enjoy that part. I'm very grateful for those certificates of appreciation as our buddy, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin would say. Well, here, Nate Scott says, I am devoted to serving young soldiers to make good decisions. Currently, I'm an army instructor, and in my class, I bring books for them <clears throat> for them to read if they have extra time. All the books I bring in align with my morals, uh, and I've read them. It's a great way to share my beliefs and possibly start a conversation without feeling like I'm forcing a belief on someone. And I appreciate Nate. He uh, has used Ziegler books, of course. And he contacted me. I think it was Nate contacted me just asking if I had any other books to, to recommend there. So thanks for bringing Zig to the, uh, to the army. But that's a great model there. Again, like we talked about earlier, using the influence that he has in his role, a role that it sounds like he likes and enjoys, but using it for a deeper need to truly serve those around him. His fulfillment, I'm sure, is about 70% higher, if not more, than the next Army instructor, who, again, just looks at it as a job, that he is just an instructor, don't you think? I love it. Yeah. I mean, to me, uh, what Nate is doing in his role is what we're all called to do. And basically, a young soldier will raise their hand and say, gosh, I'm thinking about going this direction. Mm. And all Nate's doing is he's asking, okay, why do you want to go that direction? And how are you going to get there? And you might want to read this. Yeah. So what do they say when the student is willing, the teacher will appear. The greatest leaders, the greatest mentors, the people who have the biggest impact. It always happens in this one-on-one way, right? Where the person says, I really want to be X. I really want to achieve Y. And the leader understands if I can help them get their dream, their goal, they're going to be better at, you know, whatever their official role is in the organization. If I can give a purpose to my military service beyond paycheck to paycheck, Man, it's going to serve everybody better. They're going to be better equipped when they move on, and the country's going to be better served while they're here. How awesome is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to end on one and make a point through it, Tom. And it is, you know what, I'll reference a movie that is a favorite of mine. We own it. It's called Family Stone. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll have to clarify. It's not a super conservative movie uh, for the Ziegler audience there. Now, it's not super crass either, but it's, it's a real-life family dealing with some real-life issues. Uh, but in that, they make a statement that we've always used in, our, in my family and where he says, hey, this, this person, he's referencing one of the characters, she has a freak flag. She just doesn't fly it. And, uh, and in this, I'm going to say, this is a call out to flying your freak flag. And I'm going to make a reference here. And Elizabeth, I'm not calling you a freak. Okay. Or, or if I am, it's just because you are one like me. So Elizabeth says teaching my students, mostly middle school, that there's always more. And she has in parentheses math to learn that they are capable of learning, capable of learning. And again, parentheses math and that the world needs a variety of interests and abilities. All right. Right off there. Math. One of the weakest areas of my life is math is anything to do with numbers. I'm a words guy. I'll say I'm a words master, but math 
And so for her to say that, I, I love that. She is owning the thing. Why does she love math? And I want to put that out there too. I, you know, when we talked at the beginning of the show, Tom, about how we view what really serves people. Can you only really truly serve and save people if you're in you know, the ministry, let's say, or, or not? And it's an interesting one. My brother will appreciate me sharing this. There was a time years ago where I was helping people here, you know, basically Americans, middle to upper class Americans who wanted to pursue self-employment. Now I was doing that because I had a, a big altruistic goal out of that. I wanted them to be free, to be uh, affluent, to go do their callings and serve people well and yada, yada. However, meanwhile, he's over in Africa serving the, in a sense, the least of these, they were working with a lot of women out of prostitution and sex slavery and things like that. And they're working with them. And it was hard for him to reconcile that he's devoting his life to that. And I'm over here serving middle and upper class America. It was a really good discussion. I did a blog on it at that time, but my point to bring to here is fly your freak flag, whatever your passion, burden, or interest is, I, I would caution you on questioning it. And especially in regards to other people questioning it, because if it is let's, like Elizabeth here, if it's math uh, or if it's Larry North with fitness centers, if it gives you joy and fulfillment, you will ultimately in a big way, serve people better and deeper. I mean, if you even went to the fact, look, let's look at your dad, Tom, and I can say the same thing for my dad, that regardless of their work, saving and serving and helping people. Let's say that it didn't, let's say that it was a factory and they made widgets and it didn't really do things, but let's just say they loved it to the degree that our dads did love their work. What we got out of it as their kids in their family to see them joyful, to see them fulfilled, to see them have purpose was worth its weight in gold. Uh, and I'll be forever grateful for that. And so if it is teaching math, if it's health clubs, if it's self-employment, if it's being an army instructor, whatever it is, uh, my call out is to be at peace with it to some degree. I, why do I gravitate towards people's health and wellness? Is that the Holy grail of all creation and God's biggest calling and purpose? Absolutely not. No way. I wouldn't, it's, it's not, it's just what's on my heart and I trust it and, uh, I'm walking in it. What do you think? I love it. I love it. I, you know, I wrote an article on this a while back, but growing up on Dillbeck Lane in, in uh, Dallas, Texas, being seven, eight, nine years old, and Saturday morning I got to sleep in, and we had a yard man. His name was Mr. Smith, hmm. and Mr. Smith would cut our yard first thing Saturday morning, and it seemed like every Saturday morning my dad would go out and wait till Mr. Smith got in front of my window where I was sleeping and they would have a conversation and dad would spend 15 minutes with Mr. Smith asking him about his kids, his wife, what's everybody doing? How's the business going? And then that night at dinner, dad would talk about Mr. Smith and how he sent five kids through college <laughs> on his yard business. Wow. And I had to grow up and become an adult to realize what dad was teaching me. It wasn't by accident that conversation happened outside my window every yeah. day. You see, dad wanted me to hear that every work done, done unto the Lord or done with diligence had value. And that the fruit of that work could create uh, life-changing paths for who it was supporting. His kids all went to college. 
because he's out there on a Saturday morning with old fashioned hedge clippers. This is back before, you know, the power clippers and everything else was going on really. Um, he's out there making a living with a great attitude, huge smile, time for his customers, did a fantastic job, and he's providing for his family. Talk about a work that has passion, that Absolutely. has power, and dad recognized that. And he was telling me in his own way, look, son, whatever you choose to do, give it 100%. Do it with integrity and pay attention to those around you God's entrusted with you and use use the fruit of your labor to provide the needs that you have. Okay, well, we got to end right there with a quote that I bet somebody has attributed to Zig Ziglar. It's not his. Apparently, it's Martin Luther King, but we never know for sure. But it's powerful. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. There you go. How's that for Mr. Smith? That's awesome. And, and, you know, I got to make a call to my dad, Dan Miller. I have not lived with them for, I don't know, 25 years or more, I guess. And yet I know his yard guy's name. It's Noe. And he has walked with that guy as the guy has built a million dollar business with uh, landscaping and doing yards. Started off uh, just mowing some yards like my dad's. And my dad invested in the guy and has walked with him and learned from him as well. And here we go. And I know his name. We're talking about it on the Ziggler Show because he mowed yards uh, like it was uh, for the hosts of heaven. There we go. There's our charge for the day. You ready, Tom? Shall we go off and spend the rest of our days doing what we do so the hosts of heaven and earth will sing? Amen. Amen. There we go. Well, friends, this admittedly wasn't a simple cut and dry subject, but I think it brings us all to contemplate who we really want to serve and how. That was the point. If you got value from the show, please let Tom and I know and leave a review in iTunes. It's just a great gift to us, of course. It also helps others know what value they might receive from the show as they choose from an infinite number of shows. Let them know why you feel this show is worth their while. And thank you so much. Coming up next in show 599, I bring you a lady who has two top podcasts in two different categories, health and business. And let me make an admission up front. I was expecting a hard charging, authoritative personality. Now, I personally vet the guests that we have on the Ziegler show, but occasionally I'll get a strong recommendation from someone that I know and trust and end up talking with someone who I don't have a lot of exposure with personally. Well, Shalene Johnson exceeded my expectations. Truly. We recorded the main interview in about an hour and our habits interview in about 30 minutes. Then we continued talking about just mutual interests and experiences amidst health and wellness and personal development for another hour and a half. Shalene is a giant in the health and wellness industry. She's had over 20 million downloads of her podcasts. Uh, she's the number one, or she, she's a New York times bestselling author of the book push uh, tens of millions of people around the globe have transformed their bodies and their lives with her help and her fitness programs have been featured in gyms and on TV for more than 12 years. And check this out. She holds the Guinness book of world records for having starred in the most fitness videos. Shalene has designed several number one ranked fitness and diet programs for industry giants, including Beachbody and the creators of P90X and Sanity Turbo Jam and more. But this is really interesting. Several years ago, Shalene began suffering 
seen a steady decline in her own health that included debilitating brain fog, mood swings, and chronic pain and injuries. This led her to question the diet and fitness industry's definition of health. She taught herself to read scientific studies as well as how to search for, find, question, and evaluate the research. The story just begins there. It's a massively intriguing show, folks. I hope you will join us. Till then, as always, thank you for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 